are you contributing or are you just a consumer, right? Are you just are you just consuming goods versus coming up with creative ways to sustain, right? And um, I think a lot of my framework built off of those experiences. Hi guys, welcome back to Beyond High Street. Today we sit with Mark Sakowitz and examine the phrase contributor versus consumer. Think about that for a second. Which are you, a contributor in life or a consumer? Mark credits time in Idaho in his early 20s in the outdoor space, outdoor world, and learning the importance of the environment to helping him become a contributor. He's used that philosophy his last 20 plus years in the business world with mission-based companies, most recently as an executive at both Smartwool and Tom's. He also shares some great tips for Miamians, kids coming into school and kids about to hit the workforce and the need and the importance of public speaking and that class at Miami or developing that skill early on in your business life. He also has had a recent near fatal health issue and how that has refocused what is important in life. I hope you enjoy the pod. Talk to you soon. I woke up um, prior to the hospital. I woke up in the back of an ambulance, which I don't think is any better. <laughs> um, but, but I, um, yeah, I was out on a just an easy bike ride, and and um, uh, one minute I was riding, and and literally the next memory I have is I was in the back of this ambulance, and that. That timeline was about 25 minutes, I think, from when I collapsed to when I um, uh, was resuscitated uh, effectively by the paramedics. And um, uh, to be honest, um, not a lot was going through my head. I I think when you have a scenario like that, you... um, aren't even, you know, I had no idea what happened. Um, they, they, I couldn't really process um, what they were trying to say. So I, I really probably spent that next hour just, um, waking up. Um, and fortunately, you know, I, um, I didn't have any, uh, damage, um, you know, for, let's say from oxygen deprivation or my brain or, or things of that nature. You know, I was, I was conscious, so lucid and awake. I just had didn't really couldn't put all the, the pieces together. And so um, when they put me into the emergency room, I had a, a, the guys that found me um, uh, called my wife via this great company called Road ID, and I, I I wear that that bracelet all the time, and it it really paid off for me. But um, they called my wife. My wife was traveling. My wife works. Um, uh, and so she was traveling on business in Portland. And so she beelined back to LA where we were living and in the interim called a couple of my friends locally and they met me, um, you know, at the hospital and stayed with me till she got there. So, um, you know, they were trying to replay what happened and tell me what the doctors were thinking as I was sort of in a staging area until they, really found out what hospital I was going to go to, to be admitted to, um, to, so they could figure out what's going on. So, so yeah, um, I wasn't thinking much. <laughs> and, and, and was the, was the conclusion that, um, you, there was a crash and that caused some of it or that what was going on in your heart is the, the cause of then the crash because of, 
Yeah, no, it was the latter. And actually, I didn't really crash. Apparently, I had pulled over. Mm. Um, I was at least aware that something was going on. And um, um, and I do have one small inkling uh, remembrance of just one snippet where someone asked me, am I okay? And I said, I'm not sure. That's honestly the only thing I remember in the entire experience was this, this one nanosecond of saying, I'm not sure. And apparently what happened is those guys that came upon me, um, initially when I spoke to them, they left, which was, which is crazy. Um, but thankfully, uh, I, I did fall over then. And, uh, so didn't crash, but was then on the ground and two other cyclists, uh, came by and that's who really took care of me. And actually the one guy named, his name's Adam Tyler, um, I spoke with him a month later, um, and he really ran me through everything that happened because I knew nothing. And right before I left LA and I was given the clean bill of health, he and I went out for a bike ride. Um, Mm. the irony is, is that he's a stroke survivor. Um, and he found me, um, as a, you know, in a cardiac arrest scenario. And, um, he, I'll, um, I'll stay connected to him, uh, you know, the rest of my life, for I'm, sure. I am sure you will. All right, so yeah. you, you're you in the hospital, and you um, hopefully are, you, you, you get stable. Your wife's there. You're there for several days. What, as a, a dad, uh, a previous, you know, business leader or current business leader, business owner, what, what goes through one's mind couple days later um besides of course i'm thankful to be alive yeah yeah well a lot of things i think um you know there's fear i think that's the number one emotion um or feeling that you have is that you're scared and um you know for me candidly things had gone pretty well um you know, certainly since I left Miami um, till today or till that point, April 10th, um, things had gone quite well. And um, I, I had lots of stress and pressure and anxiety and things of that nature through a regular working career and family. But um, I'd never had anything that really struck fear into me. Um, this certainly did. And, you know, you, you worry about um, the long term well-being of your family. Um, and not necessarily financially, um, but more emotionally and, and, and just what would life for them be like if I wasn't around, like gone. Right. And, um, so I think you dwell on that a lot. Um, honestly, I remember I was in one thing I do remember in the back of the ambulance, um, not knowing totally what happened, but knowing certainly I was in a bad, bad spot. Um, but I kept going through and I just said to myself, what a waste, because <laughs> I have so much more to contribute. Um, and honestly had acquired all of this knowledge, um, through working for so long and, um, leading and, and all these connections with different people that I, that I've learned so much from, and now I can't apply it to anything. Like I'm just, I'm dead. And, uh, so I think fear and then and then just uh, frustration that, you know, you, you can't, you're done contributing 
right? <laughs> that that probably bothered me more than anything. Hmm. Well, staying with being done contributing, or at least that going through your mind, and I'm sure that is not just work. That is that's family and personal life too. But from a work side, the your previous work, it seemed there was there was a lot of mission based. Um, entrepreneurship or, or business work with Tom's and Smart Wool and others. Were, were you always, was the mission-based side something that was always front and center for you or did that develop as your business career evolved? Yeah, I think the latter. I, I think, um, you know, everybody has at some level something genuine, something authentic um, where they want to give back to humanity, you would hope, right? Um, for me, um, I think it was, uh, a, a tiered kind of, um, experience on learning how to do that. I think, you know, when I, when I, um, left Miami, um, in between graduate school and my first job, I, I went out West and, um, really learned a lot about myself, um, while I was riding my bike and, and, and seeing some things in, in Sun Valley, Idaho. And, um, I think there, um, uh, my experiences there struck a chord for me, for sure, from an environmental standpoint, um, and impact and, you know, are you contributing or are you just a consumer, right? Are you just, are you just consuming goods versus coming up with creative ways to sustain Right. And um, I think a lot of my framework built off of those experiences where I wanted to contribute back or not make a negative impact on the, the environment or the world that we live on and, and just harvest. Um, but that evolved. Um, it certainly was a driving force for me to leave Nike and go to Smartwool because I wanted to one, make a bigger, broader based contribution at a smaller business. I wanted to work in the outdoor space. Um, and I wanted to spend more time outdoors. And um, in turn, I think when I um, started to participate in the outdoor industry itself, um, it's such a driving force um, in protecting and pushing forward from such a variety of angles that I really latched onto that. And then, you know, Smartwell, when I um, started there, had a solid framework of supporting the environment and sustainability, um, but also um, had a huge gap in supporting people. And honestly, I think that was really my catalyst. So I always say to people at Nike, I learned how to, to be a premium brand, uh, go-to-market leader. Um, at Smartwool, I learned how to lead people um, and care for them. And I think... Um, the combination of those two uh, was very, very powerful, and I, I think it's why we were so successful there for, and still are for so long. And um, you know, they're still doing great work. I think that they're they're even taking, um, you know, what my team and I did there, um, uh, and building upon that still to this day. So, um, yeah, I think I think those things were really, really important to me, and then you know, was absolutely the driving force on, you know, why I wanted to go um, work with Tom's um, out in Los Angeles because they, um, and they're still doing it. You know, Blake came out last week and talked about uh, a really significant contribution to ending gun violence because of what's been going on, which is nuts. And, um, 
uh, I, I, I was just uh, always compelled to help. And, and uh, I think that's really the platform down the road that I, I still want to pursue. Yeah, you, you normally do not see corporate chairmen or CEOs go on late night talk shows with a cause message. And so kudos to, to Fallon for giving him the, the, yeah. the airspace to do so, but also for Blake to be willing to do it. That doesn't seem, that's not a normal way that uh, brands push forth a, some of their cause efforts. No, I thought it was great. I really did. And Blake, um, you know, he, uh, you know, he had such a great idea. And, um, you know, honestly, I think this is, is going to help, help that brand a little bit um, uh, become more top of mind and, and people not just take them for granted. You know, consumers, uh, certainly today, um, with the sophistication of, of the consumer and how the consumer digests content and, um, how they learn and what they want to see and, and have part of their life. They're, they're not um, nearly as loyal as they, they once were, and they certainly take brands for granted, right? They, they need to hear why they should still stay engaged um, with a lot of brands. Um, and so I, maybe this is a great platform for Tom's to, uh, to, to have people not forget why they are so great. Yeah, curious back to one of the uh, statements you said earlier, which is great. Are you a contributor or just a consumer? What other brands are out there or people in the marketplace that uh, you look up to or are people that you just nod your head and say, hey, you're doing good work? Well, yeah, I mean, there's a lot, um, a lot. and And I think it does come back to people don't know the the full story of, of these, these brands. You know, if you start looking at, for example, just around sustainability and the environment, think about what Nike or Walmart, right? So two brands that you would link to consumerism, right? Almost exclusively um, in the public eye. Uh, but both of them are leading world-class efforts around sustainability, the supply chain, um, any angle of how to run a great company, those brands are still, they're, they're doing that, yet they, they never really talk about it, right? Nike in particular um, doesn't talk about it much at all, yet they're the driving force in, in a lot of these areas of progress. So, you know, I think you could mention other brands like Tom's or The Honest Company or um, people like that who have sustainability or, or giving back as a core fundamental platform. Um, I actually tend to, uh, see more respect or more reverence, I guess is a better word for it. Um, for the brands that are running amazing businesses on the front end, but then absolutely pushing all these things, uh, forward for, uh, humanity on the, on the back end. Mm. Let's go back a little bit, back to the time in Oxford, um, when we were just students and we were probably all more consumers than contributors uh, during yeah, those yeah. four years. But why, why Miami? Uh, I think you said Chicago was home. I don't know if it was home back then, but why yeah. Miami? The, the friendships you learned, the, you know, if there's a particular professor or class that um, you still think about today and just your time in Oxford. Yeah, sure. I mean, I, 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 I'm sure everybody else on this program says the same thing about 
Oxford and Miami, but I, I loved those four years. I, I, I look back at those four years as four of the greatest in my life. Um, and for a bunch of reasons, um, you know, certainly academically, it's a great place. Um, uh, but honestly, the, the friendships and, and the, uh, the lifelong, um, lasting network of people that I care about is, is far and away, um, what I've taken from, from Oxford more than anything else. And, um, you know, my path to Miami, you know, I, um, you know, when I was in high school, I was a pretty good baseball player and, and thought about playing baseball at Miami. Um, uh, went there um, thinking I was going to do that, um, but decided not to. Um, I had a couple of friends that were also, uh, I mean, I'm from Chicago, so obviously lots of people from Chicago go um, to Oxford for school. Um, I was no exception there, but um, you know, back in 1986, it was, um, you know, an unbelievable school, of course. Um, and it wasn't that far away from home where if I had to get home for something I could, and I thought it was a fantastic place to go. So, um, I picked that, uh, amongst other schools and, um, you know, my, my four years there was pretty traditional, you know, I was finance undergrad, I was in a fraternity, um, I met a bunch of people, um, I learned a ton, um, and I had an amazing experience. And I, I think that's, um, I don't think mine was a unique experience, right? Um, in retrospect, I wish, oh, and I think lots of people would probably say this, they wish they would have taken advantage of the resource that you have there at the time, but I'm an unaware um, 18-year-old kid. Um, who started to become more aware through the four years I was there. Um, you know, in regards to a class, in a class in particular, and I don't know the teacher, um, but one thing that um, I really have levered um, in my career, and I still do constantly, um, weekly, um, was I took a communications public speaking class there, um, and learned how to be comfortable in front of people or in front of an audience while presenting material and formulating ideas so someone would actually understand what I was trying to say. And um, I'll tell you what, I have, pre I, I mean, the thousands and thousands of times now that I've presented um, to audiences greater than 100, I can't, you know, it's unquantifiable. And I still reference that class mentally all the time. I actually remember certain speeches that I gave um, to practice uh, refining my tendencies or what I was doing wrong um, still to this day. Um, so um, maybe an odd class reference for a finance person at Miami, but I'll tell you what, that one was very valuable to me. Yeah, no, I don't think it's odd at all. I was in the business school and I've always said that the one class everybody in college should take or must take and it should be mandatory is improv. I mean, everything yeah. we do, be it with your spouse or kids or workplace, you have to, you got to speak and you have to be able to react and communicate well. So that makes a ton of sense, especially in today's world when we're attached to gadgets most of the time. Totally. Yeah, totally. 
What What do you think about the kids? And I know you've got one um, getting close to college age here too. It feels like, and for my kids too, they are more contributors than consumers. I mean, they they are more aware than we were certainly when we went to school. So the opportunity that the kids now, either already in Oxford or heading to Oxford or other schools, what opportunities do they have, you think, different from what we had uh, to take advantage of? Yeah, I mean, I think it's massive. I think it's night and day, honestly, for the broader student body. Um, going in to attend a university, whether it's at Miami or somewhere else. I, I'll take my own daughter as a perfect example. I, if I knew one hundredth of what she knew about what was going on in the world today um, or had um, any semblance of a plan like she has, um, I'd, be, I'd be in a much better state than I am today. Um, and, you know, the, she as well as her peer group um, – just have so much more access to um, information, understanding what's going on. And then um, these kids today, uh, at least the ones that um, I'm seeing in association with my daughter or or, um, with her school or whatever that would be, um, they want to help. They want to contribute. And I believe many of them have a much broader purpose out there um, than just getting a job and um, looking for income. And I think that's amazingly inspiring. I think, um, you know, they'll learn there's balance there and they're going to have to find a way to do both. Right. Which is just a, a harsh reality of, of what's going on. Um, but, uh, I have, I have great hope for what these kids are going to be doing. And, you know, I think, you know, a lot of them, um, you know, any kid under the age of 35, so take millennial and under, um, I actually think many of them get a bad rap um, in the corporate world today. Up, oh, these kids don't want to work; they're entitled. We hear that stuff all the time about them. But I will tell you, um, you find a kid who's got um, uh, their act together and a plan, and you know, I'd give them an opportunity immediately. Right? They um, they really have uh, they really have an unbelievable opportunity to be great, and 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 push the world forward, which is exciting. I mean, that's what I think we all want them to do. Yeah, it's a great line, push the world forward. So what's next for you? Well, you know, for me, I, I stopped doing sea level work um, last year. And uh, it's interesting because one of the things, going back to your question on, on cause, right, mm-hmm. or mission-based companies, um, one of the things that uh, I was really privileged to do was um, lead Smart Wool, um, but lead Smart Wool in a in a smaller community. So, um, in my career, I've lived in all kind. I've lived in ten cities in in the twenty five years, um, and all the big ones. I lived in New York. I've lived in Los Angeles, Chicago, Dallas. Um, spent some time in Portland, obviously with Nike. Lived in Pittsburgh. Um, you know, all over the place. Um, which gave me great understanding and perspective on, on how to live in different places and take advantage of, um, the great things that all those cities have to offer. Uh, but that being said, my favorite place in the world by far is this, this little town um, where I live today called Steamboat Springs, Colorado. And, um, 
Smartwool gave me the luxury of, you know, leading a, a business and, you know, having it be acquired by uh, Timberland VF Corporation, working within those matrices of much larger public companies, but at the same time, living in a small community of 10,000 people and really being um, a large contributor to what goes on in that, that community. And um, when we left Tom's and went left Los Angeles and I got sick and uh, maybe accelerated what, um, what we thought was important, um, which maybe that, that will do for anybody. Um, we said we wanted to move back here. And honestly, what's next for me is I want to really contribute um, certainly in the outdoor space. And um, I'm doing a lot of work with cycling, um, which is a personal passion of mine in general. Um, but I want to help the community of Steamboat move forward. Um, and uh, I want to take advantage of maybe the 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 things that I've learned and apply those, um, to every aspect or every angle of the brand of steamboat, the community of steamboat, how steamboat handles themselves, um, and, and make that, uh, really kind of my own mission for the rest of my career. So I'm not really looking for that next CEO role, um, at all. Um, honestly, I'm really, I'm starting some small businesses, um, in steamboat so people can stay here and work here and have a career here um and i really want to get engaged not politically um but as a business professional wanting to give back to this community and how they can be great and so i'm just getting started there but um uh, there's a lot there's a lot going on and you know i do sit on um a few corporate boards and things of that nature um i i do think that's really important um to stay sharp and, and help those companies um, accomplish their goals. But really a lot of my effort is going to be focused on how do we make um, this community uh, really, really, really great. And I think that's fun. And honestly, I, I think it's an unbelievable position to be in where you can do that. Um, and, uh, you know, I hope, hopefully I can, I can make some impact there. Thank you, Mark. Thank you for taking time to share your thoughts. Great wisdom. For everybody listening and, and the willingness to share your health story. I'm glad you're doing well. You sound fantastic. And I hope everyone who listens really takes to heart the thought of being a contributor versus consumer in life. I think we can all make a difference. Thanks again for spending your time. Please share with friends and family. Looking forward to seeing all at Skippers. Let's have a beer soon. Take care. <music>